this reminds me of my first experience in radio was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. Welcome back. You're listening to Radio Eastside with John and Riley on Breaking Waves. And today we're going to continue our discussion that we started last week on medicine. Yeah, that's right, John. Uh, last week we we got into the history, and this week it's going to be examining the modern medicine and the Western medicine that's commonly available in this country, Australia, and this culture. Yes, and most uh, registered doctors all practice this uh, institutionally taught uh, and constructed form of medicine, sometimes called by the alternative medical folk as allopathic medicine. Now when we had a look at the word, uh, the mainstream, that is Wikipedia, (laughs) don't seem to like it very much. And this is probably because of the origins of of the word allopathic, Riley. Yeah, so the word, um, it draws from the Greek allos, meaning other or different, and pethos, meaning suffering. Yeah, so this kind of speaks to the idea of a, a different concept of unwellness, disease, and the treatment or, in fact, cure. And as we mentioned last week, back, um, you know, four or five hundred years ago, the mainstream had some very different ideas about what made people sick. And then along came Paracelsus with his uh, beakers and his experiments and his natural remedies and his ideas about uh, minerals and how they could help treat and cure disease. And he was... Regarded as... A heretic. Yeah, he was... uh, But he became so famous uh, through his practice um, that his work still survives, thank goodness. Um, And the tables have turned in modern times. Uh, So now the idea of beakers and chemistry, the idea of chemical concoctions to treat disease and illness is the mainstream. It's what most doctors practice now with their prescription pads, right, Riley? That's right, John, and I think the kind of it's it depends on how you look at it as far as that dichotomy of you know the mainstream versus the alternative because what we have now in the, in the west like in you know Australia America and and Europe is alternative to the disease models of like the it's radically different from the um you know the cultural traditions of uh other places for for many many years so 
Yeah, and this is consistent with the broader scientific community's uh, views and how those uh, views and way of thinking about existence and life, and in particular medicine, has changed over time, you know. We live in a time where biology is examined and explained via chemical reactions um, and a lot of our medicines use that model. Yes, the explanation on the sheet inside the box, if your box of meds actually has one of these pieces of information, uh, usually explains the effects of the medicine through this lens of chemistry. One of the problems I seem to have when I go to the doctor is getting an actual diagnosis for the cause of my uh, discomfort. This frustrates me greatly. <laughs> I go and have all kinds of uh, tests and scans and pathology and quite often am prescribed uh, pills and potions. But um, I'm always left feeling that I don't actually, still don't know <laughs> what was actually causing the problem in the first place. Hi, everybody. Now, tell Dr. Nick where is the trouble. I'm at G. I got ants in my pants. I'm discombobulated. Give me a calmer Slow down, sir. You're going to give yourself skin failure. Okay. Now, the symptoms you describe point to bonus eruptus. It's a terrible disorder where the skeleton tries to leap out the mouth and escape the body. No, you're talking. Our one chance is transdental electromicide. I'll need a golf cart motor with a thousand volt capacitor. Stop! Yes, if only there was more doctors out there like Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. He certainly, you know, gets right to the point. <laughs> Um, but yes, John, I, I do echo your sentiments and I resonate with what you said about, you know, doctors um, not being able to or not addressing those those causal aspects. I mean, in my experience, you can come away with a diagnosis that's actually simply acknowledging or describing a symptom, you know, like personal case, for example, of migraine. Well, I don't really think of migraine as a diagnosis, like migraine is a symptom, but the symptom of what wasn't on, you know, able to be uh, addressed by um, that whole process, even though, you know, I had source specialists and it could identify that certain things are happening, but it wasn't really on their radar to address like a causal aspect there. Yes, it seems that it's kind of a circular thing. Um, with modern medicine, the diseases are defined by a number of conditions and the conditions define the disease and we never actually get to the cause or it does, seems almost irrelevant to the process of modern medicine. Uh, even though they, ca they do talk about cures uh, around certain uh, long-standing, long-suffering conditions like cancer, you'll, you'll often hear fundraisers talk about the cure for cancer. I'm not sure if they've ever actually cured any form of cancer or even really satisfactorily described what it actually is. Yeah, that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's another rabbit hole. Yeah. So I guess we all have um, disease and discomfort of one form or another, which often takes us to doctors for some kind of treatment. How did you go with uh, your migraines and reaching out to doctors? 
for some answers. Yes, yes. Well, the migraine, it's really, that was the ultimately the sort of diagnosis that I came away with. But it took about seven years to get to that point. You the, know. the migraine was a diagnosis. I thought that was a symptom. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. As, <laughs> oh, um, that was actually the condition. Mm. You're having a migraine. Your migraine means you have a migraine. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, Thanks, Dr. Nick. That's what um, I will grant them. It definitely helped me to have the process, to undergo that process of having something that I could at least have on paper to show people. I think people people. get an enormous amount of comfort out of a a diagnosis, no matter what it is. Mm, Simply mm. having a a term or having a concept to connect with something that is um, not conceptual to you. It's (laughs) Yeah, that's it. in, In terms of your thinking. In terms of your understanding or your knowledge, it's just an experience yeah, that's unpleasant. Definitely. And so I think there's great comfort in uh, the diagnosis of diseases, but how helpful are a lot of these diagnoses? The, well, obviously, yeah, the help that it provides is more psychological than like actual treatment, you know. Which, of, of course, the, uh, mm, is a big part that's of right. um, mm. health and well-being is, you know, we've pointed out many times before the power of the mind to affect our experience. Yeah, yeah. So that really took like seven years to get to that point of being able to have like brain scans done to come away with, okay, there's indicates of like the reduced blood flow here and the symptoms of migraine, these kind of things. And this is interesting. Um, I've had the same experience with these tests and scans Mm. and what they're doing is they're comparing you to a normal person. Which we've established doesn't exist. <laughs> well, there yeah. is no such yeah. thing. We're all different. Um, Which is a little strange when you think about it. The migraine is, yeah, not even like a a diagnosis, obviously. No tumour? I do have a benign cyst in my pineal gland mm-hmm. that I haven't checked up on for a long time. Uh, and I probably wouldn't want to because I wouldn't want to expose myself to that ra- much radiation over the course of my life, you know. When these issues first started for me, back when I was 14, it was a massive, you know, upheaval for me at that point in my life. And I was very much wanting to get it addressed and get to the bottom of it. And I was looking to the systems available to me to to do that. And I remember talking to my father about how I didn't just want to take medication to, you know, numb the symptoms. I wanted to address the cause, which then led him to, quote, the, a line from the Rocky Horror Picture Show from the Tim Curry character, Frank and Furter, to remove the cause and not the symptom. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. (laughs) But not the symptom. Well, I've been uh, blessed with relatively good health for most of my life. Besides, you know, the the odd accident, accident, uh, broken bones or whatever. For most of my life. But when I got to to my 40s, I... um, 
<laughs> since my 40s. I guess I'm getting old now and I'm experiencing um, all kinds of strange sensations which um, <laughs> which come under the umbrella of <laughs> disease and uh, discomfort, uh, perhaps suffering uh, Sometimes, and, you know, a lot of it's just the normal aches and pains that we get as we grow older, you know. It seems to hurt to be awake some days. But there have been other um, conditions which have been uh, much more uh, mysterious, like my uh, vision problems, which were caused by a brain injury. But the effect of, <laughs> the effect of that damage done to my brain is... Difficult to explain because it's changed my sensory perception and, you know, visual vision is such an important part of our conscious experience that my it's like I'm a different person living in a different world almost for the last 20 years, almost 20 years. I've also had some other uh, weird neurological stuff go on in the last, in the last few years which likewise, I've had a lot of problems getting um, diagnosis. I've had a lot of tests. I've had a lot of MRIs, CT scans, X-rays. Um, I've also had quite a few procedures. I've had uh, quite a bit of cortisone injected into my neck and been given, uh, prescribed various uh, anti-inflammatory medications and... Um, of course, the ubiquitous uh, Panadol and Nurofen, but mostly to no avail. The uh, condition is still was <laughs> it's like I'm visited by a, a dark cloud or something, uh, which seems uh, episodal, but it doesn't conform to any kind of timetable I understand. I've almost given up going to GPs and specialists about this neurological stuff, although I still, I still search, you know, I'm still on, on the web and I'm still uh, looking for um, research and for information about what can cause the, the kind of problems I'm having with, uh, mainly the effects for me are in my arms and legs and my, uh, my spine and my neck. It's um, very strange sensations. It's similar to kind of uh, the aches and pains from mu from uh, sore muscles or tortured uh, joints <laughs> through overactivity. Mm. But it has a it has a kind of weird twist to it, and um, it's very strange because it doesn't conform to the same kind of timelines as as other kinds of injuries. You know, this is the the problems I'm having with uh, with my limbs, particularly my um, my arms, my left arm in particular, I lose sensation in it and motor coordination and I have muscles shrinking and um, it's largely uh, a mystery to the doctors. They've, uh, the MRIs did show uh, a condition uh, called uh, spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the, the pathway down between the vertebrae that your spinal cord goes in. There's normally a bit of space there. Uh, for you to move around, and on my scans there is little to no space. Uh, but the confusing thing is that the doctors say, well, some some people who display this kind of condition uh, have pain, and some people have none at all. 
So in other words, they're saying, oh, we don't know, <laughs> really. Uh, it could be that. Uh, it doesn't look normal. But we've got some anti-inflammatories for you to take. And the injections of cortisone, which I did try, didn't seem to do me any good. In fact, seemed to make it worse. So I've g- given the cortisone away, uh, particularly after learning... Uh, that uh, one of my heroes, Bruce Lee, who died a mysterious death in his youth, which all kinds of people theorised about. Um, I saw an autopsy program on on his death recently and they highlighted the fact that um, he's actually getting cortisone injections into his spine from three different doctors at the same time. This is when he was making that, I think it was Enter the Dragon, that he died during the later stages of that production. And he was having so much cortisone that it, it basically uh, caused his organs to shut down. And this is consistent with um, the people who were around him in the last few months of his life, uh, the deterioration that he was going through uh, mentally and physically. So I guess we need to be careful what we wish for because the medicine could be more dangerous than the condition. Yeah, and that becomes apparent when you start looking into the side effects of um, or just potential like risks involved with a lot of the treatments and medications. It's kind of like, well, what do I want? Do I want to stick with the devil I know of the chronic illness or do I want to open myself up to all this other Stuff, Indeed, so, you know yeah. those little bits of paper inside the uh, the box of pills I was talking about before. I have some scary side effects on them, uh, including uh, death sometimes. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you know, yeah. it's true. I don't think there are any medications that don't have some kind of uh, side effect, which is an interesting term in itself because. Those side effects are actually the effects of the medicine. Yeah, so side effect is just a way to spin it. It's just a way to like present, like with the focus being on what it's prescribed for. But yeah, it's all an effect. Yeah, I guess they're downplaying that by giving it another term. You know, by saying, "Well, this medication might help you at this," and. It also has been shown (laughs) to do these things to you. Uh, But most people don't read those bits of paper. Um, I've always had a fascination with uh, textbooks and documents, so I'm a bit of an aberrant in terms of uh, technical information. (laughs) In fact, uh, up until my 30s, it was really my main form of reading was um, technical stuff. I wasn't really that interested in fiction. Um. Well, I definitely have come to the same conclusion that you have, John, about um, giving up on, uh, you know, going to doctors for to deal with my issues. Um, so, and I have my own, uh, you know, thoughts about it. But, yeah, the, you know, we've been um, obviously let down in a lot of ways by... Um, you know, Western medicine, but it comes down to the fact of, um, I suppose, the limitations of the the modelling, you know, of the framework that we're working with and that they're working with, rather. And a lot of the time when you... Uh, and I'm not saying this to um, 
to demonize, you know, doctors and rag on them as, as people. But And this just comes into anyone in any kind of field. There is an aspect of, um, you know, ego that's involved. And so sometimes when uh, you question the 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 models or like their their framework they can get um you know angry about it or you know react in all sorts of ways but another issue that comes up is the the contradiction you know the you can ask a doctor a question and it, I've had this experience many times where they seem to um contradict themselves in the same uh in the same sentence you know in terms of the answer and and there'd be a temptation to say, well, we're encouraged to kind of say, to disempower yourself and say they're the expert. And so they obviously know what they're talking about. But when you start drilling down into a lot of what doctors will say, it like um, it doesn't always like make sense or maintain like a, um, a consistency in terms of addressing, you know, questions that you might have about your condition or the condition of you know, someone that you know and care about. I think the best um, thing that Western medicine has to offer is to give it its due, to really give it its credit, it's really good in the treatment of the extreme, you know, trauma situations, car accidents, um, people with, you know, missing limbs and these kind of situations. To quote, um, you know, sort of uh, an adage of... Um, the, the idea that like if, uh, you know, if you've just been in a car accident, you're not going to go to a, uh, a Reiki healer. You're going to want to go into the hospital. I'm just using Reiki as an example, but you're going to want to get that, you know, Western medical response to it um, because these are the areas that it excels in. And when it comes to the, yeah, the long-term treatments of chronic illness, it, this is... Uh, perhaps like the biggest um, failure. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to your um, experience with trying to get uh, a diagnosis. Um, but, you know, as you said, there are times when, um, and they're usually very desperate times, <laughs> when uh, when we need uh, the medical fraternity to help us uh, in cases, uh, like you mentioned, like trauma and accidents, uh, deformities, you know, really is miraculous is the right word for the wonders mm. that can be performed in uh, reconstructive surgery and, you know, even the fact that they can actually cut people open without, <laughs> without killing them is fairly amazing. And I think you take it for granted when you're younger. I suppose uh, a lot of kids would just have um, an implicit faith or not even question it. You know, it's more like their parents are taking them to do it, like they wouldn't really have any say in the matter when going to a doctor, when going to a specialist. And then some people, some adults as well, they'll just have um, seemingly a blind faith in in doctors and and not question it to, to their detriment, you know, and I've seen that happen in... Uh, in my own family. Yeah, know. people get an enormous, as we mentioned, an enormous amount of comfort from doctors. And in fact, a friend of mine who is a doctor said, you know, most people uh, want to just tell you about their pain. <laughs> they want to tell you their problems. There's often nothing uh, 
There's often nothing doctors can do as far as writing a script for people to help them with a lot of the problems that we experience in day-to-day life. The scary thing for me to think about is old age. Parents have been living in a a full-care nursing home for about 10 years now, and they've always had pretty much complete faith in uh, medicine, in modern medicine and in doctors, and they always uh, took followed the recommendations of doctors and they always went to doctors. You know, from my viewpoint, it almost seemed like hypochondria <laughs> the amount of times that uh, my dad would go to the doctor, but it was just based on his belief and faith in the medical profession to cure him from his disease and when we got them into that nursing home at that point of time, my father was on so many medications daily that he could, he'd long ago lost the ability to keep track of them and the pharmacy would put them into these bubble wrap packages that he would take three times a day. There would be 20 or 30 pills three times a day from the most bizarre range of conditions, uh, gout, you know, uh, blood pressure, depression, I mean... Literally hundreds of medications he was on, which from my um, understanding was simply prescribed at some point in time and then uh, they just kept issuing prescriptions for these same medications whether he was suffered the conditions or not. It was uh, quite a mess trying to work through this and partly because of the complication of the medications but also trying to deal with doctors and changing doctors and different doctors' ideas about interactions between medications. And this was a big problem we had with Dad. He had um, he had a period where his blood pressure skyrocketed through drug interactions that he was on. It was They were trying to work out what was interacting with what because, you know, in fact, this is not studied by pharmaceutical companies to any degree. And so it's really something doctors have to either work out and know or know nothing about. And, what, you know, in the end we got him off most of these things and he's on much uh, smaller amount of meds now. But, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I have my, my beliefs and feelings about modern medicine. But, yeah, and my dad has his and I try to honour and respect their beliefs uh, which is difficult now because I'm sort of their carer now. I'm their power of attorney. So I'm in a situation where I'm the one that asks, is asked constantly about their medical treatment through the nursing home. And I've got to, I've got to balance my yeah. own prejudices and my own thinking with the desires that my parents have always had. Mm. So it's just not, I don't find it an easy territory to walk at all. Hard enough for myself, let alone having to make these kind of decisions for someone else. Yeah, yeah. Here's a song about a form of treatment that's available to all of us.
the toll of the bell Aggravated, spare for days I troll downtown, the red light plays Jump on bubble up, what's in store? Love is the drug and I need to score Showing up, showing up, hit and run Boy meets girl, where the beat goes on Stitched up tight, can't shake free Love is the drug, got a hook on me So that brings us to the end of the show, folks. We hope you've enjoyed our ramblings. And we shall return next week. Until then, we hope you have a beautiful time. Wishing you blue skies and sunny days. Adios, amigos. Bye-bye. my car, stick my place in the singles bar. Face to face, toe to toe, heart to heart as we hit the floor. Lumber up, limbo down, the locked embrace, I stumble around. I say go, she say yes, dim the lights, you can guess the rest. Enough.